0: The following audio is from Lifehouse Church. We hope you are blessed by this message and encourage you to connect with us on social media or lifehousechurch.org. Do you know what it means to belong? And do you feel like you belong? Now look, this message is gonna be um, direct. I talk very honestly and talk about some tough issues the video that you just saw was made specifically to address the crisis in our nation. 400,000 uh, children that are born into uh, an unstable family situation where then they need to be placed in a, in a family that can take care of them. 400,000 children in the foster care system, many of whom are uh, in a place where they can be adopted into an open family. And, and here, here's how the challenge and the crisis happens. When, when a child is born into a situation or the family situation becomes such that it is unstable enough that they need to be removed or they are um, you know, abandoned, that child then enters into foster system. And, and many times they come in uh, feeling exactly what that little girl said. Uh, I'm unwanted, I don't belong, I don't even know if I am at all, meaning I don't even know what my identity is, if I have an identity at all. And oftentimes the terminology used would be like children that come in with uh, detachment disorder. I mean, they have a difficulty connecting because they have felt like they don't belong for so long. And in such a traumatic way, they've been disconnected and they carry detachment disorders. And then the other uh, reality is that many kids come in uh, carrying deep trauma, deep hurt, because of the, the um, difficult situations that they've come out of, maybe the abuse that they've experienced. And here, here's the thing, we, each one of us fundamentally are hardwired to need to belong, and I, I'm not just overstating that. Right? That's not just like, oh, that feels good. No, no. We, uh, if you looked at uh, the hierarchy of human needs, you could put it right into a list of: I need to eat. I need to breathe. I need water to live. I need shelter over my head. I need to belong. And so this is not some good idea or a feel good. This is a fundamental part of the way humans are hardwired to exist. And when we don't feel like we belong, then we try to achieve a sense of self-worth by what we do rather than who we are. And so people throw themselves into work or they throw themselves into how they act rather than having a deep self-confidence that I am worthy and I am worth something simply because others love me. Maybe you are confident or you feel a deep sense of security in who you are that probably is directly connected to the fact that someone regularly told you they loved you and they said, I love you regardless of what you ever do. And when you hear that, you begin to believe that and that gives you a confidence that I am worthy regardless of what I do or accomplish. If you don't hear that and you don't experience it, then you believe that your self-worth is tied to what you do. And and what you can accomplish. Now here is another challenge. Within the, within the foster care system, we have young people that grow up in, in a system or enter the system and eventually they age out. And, and the, the tragedy and the crisis is that very often those, young, those teenagers that, that get to a point where they're aging out of this system, they become incredibly vulnerable. Vulnerable to getting tra- uh, trapped in addiction they get caught up in the opioid crisis trapped in human trafficking and can eventually find themselves in prison it's as if aging out can be a pipeline to some of the greatest tragedies and crises in our city and since we all have a deep sense of belong a need to belong we can all generally relate to this fundamental need do i belong and, and you know, our, our national motto is this, e pluribus unum, out of many, one. And, and that's the motto, right, for the United States of America. And yet we don't seem very united right now, do we? In fact, in many ways, it feels like an incredibly divided nation. But that, that's not just a national crisis, uh, right in our own small cities, it, it's strange. You can live in a small city and yet feel disconnected, feel lonely, and feel deeply alone, and and, and wonder why is that? Here's why, because it's easier to make fun than it is to make a friend, it's easier to uh, point blame right, than it is to belong, and it's easier to criticize than it is to make meaningful connections. And you see, so we can take the easy route and we can make fun and point blame and criticize because it's so much harder to do the work of making friends, of belonging, and building deep and meaningful connections. So let me shift gears because this is starting to feel a little bit heavy. And let's talk about something that happened 2,000 years ago. We'll shift and look at the Roman Empire. The Roman Empire, mortality, infant mortality rates were so high. Uh, like for example, 40% of children did not make it past their fifth birthday, 40%. So as a result, parents wouldn't even name their children until after they were at least one week old because they just knew like it's, it's possible they am not even gonna make it. And so they didn't wanna get attached to a child they were gonna lose. And then if that child was born with a disability or a disease or some other issue, they would just discard them. Now, this isn't something I'm just making up. Please, you can go fact check me. You can go read about it yourself. That's how I got this information. In the Roman Empire, uh, for those children that did survive, uh, first, if they were a girl, very much like what we hear about China today, if they were a girl, they were often discarded. Boys with disabilities with other um, birth defects were equally discarded. And What I mean by that was they would be taken out into the wilderness and left, abandoned. They would be taken uh, to the, to the you know, local garbage heap and just left there. And then some parents would go so far as to even uh, drown their child in the river. Now, I know this is horrific, but please, here, here's the thing, right? In that Roman empire... You have children abandoned, children rejected, children left, the most innocent and vulnerable among the the entire empire just left to their own devices. And, And what's even more horrific is what would happen. Other people would come and scoop them up, not to rescue them, but to use them. The girls would be abused and put into prostitution and slavery. The boys that were picked up would be used as slaves and taken advantage of. And so now imagine imagine an empire. I know you never heard about that in science class uh, or in history class, right? Uh, imagine an empire where this is the norm. This is people understand this. And so the Apostle Paul is writing to a church in the center of Rome, and he and he's talking about this issue from a spiritual standpoint, all right? So follow, follow with me, because we're going to jump into Romans chapter 8. Th- this chapter that we're walking through, to many in both in literature and in theology, it's considered one of the greatest chapters of the Bible, uh, and, and really one of the greatest writings ever. The Apostle Paul is writing it to the church in Rome, and, and, he, and he makes this point. So I'm going to jump in, Romans chapter 8, verse 14 through 17. He says, for those who are led by the Spirit of God, they are children of God. The spirit you received does not make you slaves. He says, so God, God calls you his children and he doesn't abandon you and leave you on a pile so that you can be scooped up and turned into a slave so that you live in fear again. He goes, God doesn't allow you to be a slave so that you can live in fear, no. Rather, the spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship and by him, we cry, Abba, Father. This term here is a lot like Papa, maybe a little bit more formal than Daddy, but somewhere in there, maybe you call Grandpa Pop Pop or something like that. That's, he's using a very endearing term here. He goes, uh, he cries out, Abba, Father. And the Spirit himself testifies inside of us. It testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ, if indeed we share in his sufferings, in order that we may also share in his glory. So the Apostle Paul is talking to the church, who is very alert to what's going on in the Roman Empire, it's going on in their city, and he's addressing this issue from the standpoint that we all can relate to this, that we, we... Wherever you feel fundamentally like you feel disconnected, you feel like you you don't belong, you're wrestling with your sense of identity, your sense of self-worth based on what you do rather than who you are and to whom you belong. He's responding to that. People in the church who were abandoned and rejected as children. And, And so you could imagine, they probably read this letter with tears running down their face. Parents read it with a sense of like, wow. Almost too good to be true. And let me just pause right there and say this, like too good to be true. Be, because maybe you're hearing this and you're thinking like, yeah, where is God and the church in all of the crises in our community? Where is God in all this and where is the church in all this? And man, it does seem like God and the church aren't really the answer. It seems like we're adding on to the problems. Maybe that's your attitude that you look at the church and God and you say, it, it's making our nation more divided. Religion is the problem. It's, it's actually causing more pain pain and hurt, then it's helping. And I would say this, most of what people believe about God is not who God is, but what you've been told about God. And so I would encourage you, if you're rejecting God because of what others have told you about God, maybe good, good to reject that version of God. But would you, would you allow us for a moment, maybe allow me to introduce you to the God of the Bible as he describes himself and as others who firmly believed in the, this God of the Bible as they described him. And then, and then secondly, I would, I would say that too often, the church is known more for what it's against than what it's for. That too often the church is divided and there's too much comparison and competition and, and, and there's too much conflict over issues like beliefs and politics and convictions. And, and, and so at least in this series, we're trying to say, hey, we're going to pull back and we want to be part of the solution. As the churches in this region, we want to be part of the answer. So we're, we're at least we want to take an honest look at ourselves and step up and say, hey, we're gonna to work together. We're gonna to come together. We're gonna to preach together. We're gonna to address the crises in our city, cities together. And we're gonna be part of a solution. And so we're saying that that's the whole heartbeat behind the hashtag for our city campaign is we're saying, look, we don't have it all right, but we're at least willing to step up and be part of the solutions. And so now with that said, we're jumping into this passage and we're saying, okay, what does this mean from the perspective of Paul writing to the Roman church. And we believe that he didn't just write this, he wrote this inspired by God's spirit in him, prompting him in what to write. And then we take this and we apply it to both the church and to those who believe in Jesus. And so the practical application of this, of this, what he's writing is this, and this is what I'd encourage you to take a moment and write down. Uh, and hopefully by writing it down, it goes from your hand to your head, to your heart. And my hope when it gets into your heart is that it becomes a habit, becomes a way of life. And so here's the practical application. We belong because we are chosen. You you don't belong because of biology. You don't belong because you were born into a particular religion. I know some of you coming in here, you, you say, well, I, I am this or I'm that kind of a religion because of how you grew up or the, you, you, you don't belong because of the way you were raised. You don't belong because of your heritage. We belong because we are chosen and, and I want to belong. I want to feel like I fit in. I wanna feel like my self-worth is connected to the fact that people love me, not because of what I accomplish or what I do. So why is that we struggle so deeply? Why is it that the issues of depression and loneliness are on the rise, not on the decline? We can can medicate depression, and yet we can't seem to solve the issue. So why is it that issues of depression and loneliness are skyrocketing? It could be that there is a deeper issue at work inside of us. Maybe there's something fundamentally deeper going on inside of us, and that is that at the core, the reason why we so often feel lonely and we feel like we don't belong is not because we don't have friends. It's not because we don't have intimate uh, relationships with a spouse or close family members. It's because no matter how close we get, we actually seem to cause problems in that relationship. We hurt the very people we love. And hurting people hurt people. So what is actually going on? Well, It's because at the core, you and I recognize that we don't belong because there is a spiritual disconnect. Listen to me carefully. What I mean is this. From the beginning, you and I have chosen to push ourselves away from God. Driven by some innate built in instinct, we push away from God toward what we want, toward feeling good about ourselves toward doing things that would make us feel better. Unfortunately, when we push away from God and God's best and we do what we want, we are giving in to this deep spiritual force called sin. Sin separates us from belonging in relationship with God and being part of God's family. When we yield to sin, which is fundamentally built into us and we go about doing what we want, we hurt the people we love the most, we reject meaningful relationships and deep connection because we live our lives driven by this innate selfishness that hurts the people around us. But that's not the worst part. Sin leads toward an eternal ruin where we are forever separated from God and God's family, God's home in heaven. But God was unwilling to leave us abandoned. God was unwilling to leave us rejected. God was unwilling to leave us detached from him. And so God pursued us. God stepped out of heaven and into our home on earth. He put on our skin. He put on our humanity so that God walked among us when he became one of us. He lived among us. He lived like us, but with the purpose of taking our shape Damn. Our guilt, our pain, the sin that we carry and the judgment we are facing, he put on himself so that when God himself hung on a cross, Jesus Christ dying on the cross for our sins, he was not dying because he deserved to die. He was dying because we deserved to die. And so when he died, he paid for our sin, carried our guilt and absorbed our eternal judgment so that anyone who believes in Jesus by faith is forgiven and given new life. New life. N- n- not just because Jesus died, but because he rose again. See, it wasn't just that Jesus paid the price. When he was buried three days later, he rises again from the dead. And in his resurrection, he purchases for us victory over sin. He purchases us for us new life because when we believe in Jesus, we believe that his spirit enters into our spirit and his life becomes our life. Now we no longer fear death because we know that we're going to go on living through death to new and eternal life without having to face eternal judgment this is the this is like the moment when we're all like what are you kidding me now let's apply that into the application of what the apostle Paul is writing about here what what Paul is saying is this he goes when you believe in Jesus by faith God's spirit enters into your spirit and he gives you this deep confidence that you belong that you have become a child of God. Somehow, somewhere deep in you, a place that you can't touch, a place that you can't chemically treat, a place that you can't do surgery on, a place that you can't do therapy on, deep in your soul, deep somewhere where only God can create an interaction, God's spirit enters into your spirit and he tells you, he whispers in your spiritual ear, you belong, I love you. No matter what you ever do, No matter what you ever do wrong, I love you and I'll forgive you. No matter what you ever do for me or whatever you don't do, I love you. I will be with you. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. Are you, Kimmy? That's awesome. When, When you get that, then you begin to lean into and you begin to understand a little bit of what the Apostle Paul is saying about this concept of being adopted into the family of God and called a child of God. And so let's jump back to this passage where the apostle Paul writes this in verse 15. He says, the spirit you received, so this is what I just explained, God's spirit entering into my spirit, brought about your adoption to sonship. Women, don't be, don't be upset about this. I, I know, don't forget he's writing in the ancient ancient times, and he's using generic terminology, and in the and, and, and their context, the son got the, all of the benefits of, being, of the inheritance. And, and so he's saying to everyone, to men and women, boys and girls, every one of you gain sonship. Alright? Hopefully you got that. And he goes, and by him we cry, Abba, Father. So what's the point of what he's saying? He goes, first, he goes, you gotta understand this. We are all chosen through Adoption. So when when so you you might you might belong in your family because of your biology you might belong because of your last name but let me don't miss this um, you were by virtue of being born you entered into the human race you became part of the human family but that didn't necessarily give you a family your parents when they brought you home they chose you every one of you were chosen. It doesn't matter whether you were chosen by your biological family, by a foster family, or an adoptive family. By, if you have a family, you were chosen. And if you right now don't have a physical family, I want you to know that God loves you and God has chosen you. He has paid the price for your rescue and he reached into your life and he has chosen you and he's calling you a child of God. And you know that because his spirit enters into your spirit and allows you to experience this adoption into being a child of God. That's what the apostle Paul is saying. He goes... And and as a result of that, we cry out, Papa, Daddy, Father. All of a sudden, I, regardless of the trauma we experienced on earth, maybe you've had legitimate reason not to have good feelings about the concept of a father. Father. Maybe some of you, you have a a great relationship with your dad and that's awesome. But every one of us, our heart goes out to those that did not. And so if you're in that spot where you, you do not have a healthy relationship with a father or maybe even it stirs trauma in you to hear about a father, this is different because you have a loving father who is willing to reach into your life and rescue you. He chose you and he invites you. Therefore, you have the deep sense of confidence. I have been chosen by God. I am loved by God, I am adopted by God. And he uses this terminology, this Abba Father. And what he's saying here is this, just like when my children, when they run to my arms, it creates a sense of security. And what the Apostle Paul is saying is, I want every one of you to feel deeply secure in the confidence that you are loved by and chosen by God the Father, that you don't have to live insecure. You don't have to live worried about God looking down on you and saying, no, you're not doing good enough or you're not acting good enough. No, God is saying, I am lavishing love on you. I am lavishing forgiveness on you. I have chosen you. You are one of mine. You are a child of God. You're in my family. You belong to me. Now that, that changes how you see life. don't miss this. Uh, I interacted with enough families, Laura and I have uh, had the privilege of our family becoming foster parents. And so we've the privilege of interacting with foster families. And so many times we'll hear the story that families will begin to love and pray for and yearn for this child that they've never met. That, that child belo- is part of their family even though they've never met the child. That's how God views you. Before you ever said yes to him, before you ever responded to his invitation, he was loving you, he was pursuing you, he had chosen you, he was for you, and he was just waiting for you to come into his family. God rejoices over you. Now listen to this, let me give you one more. You know that Jesus had a foster father who became his adoptive father that's right. Jesus was a foster son to Joseph, his, his adopted father. That should make your mind go. <laughs> okay. So if it was good enough for Jesus, it's good enough for us right, that if Jesus was adopted, then I can be adopted, and now I understand that through Jesus Christ, I am adopted into the family of God, where I belong, where I am forgiven, where I am chosen, where my self-worth is tied not to what I do or what I accomplish. My self-worth is tied to the fact that God says he loves me no matter what I ever do. God loves me because he is for me. Now, when I say no matter what I ever do, I please, that doesn't mean I willingly do the wrong thing, but that means that very much like the way I lean into my kids and I say, I want you to know this. There's nothing you will ever do that will make me love you more. There's nothing you're ever gonna do that's gonna make me love you less. Yeah, there are times that I'm a little excited about something you did right, but my love quotient isn't rising. And there's times that I'm a little disappointed about the way you behave, but my love quotient isn't falling. That's God's heart for you. there are times when he's just a little bit proud of his kids and he's up there celebrating over your life, over something you did, right? And then there's times when we behave poorly and God's a little disappointed in us, but his love quotient isn't changing because you have been chosen through adoption. Now, there's another piece to this, and this is the part that I'm kind of like, I've been waiting the whole time to share this, all right? Here we go. Not that that wasn't good enough, but here we go. Romans chapter eight, verse 17. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs. There's. you belong with benefits. Heirs of God. Are you kidding me? I am an heir of heaven. I am an heir of the eternity. I am an heir of the riches of God and co-heirs with Christ. As in Jesus and I have the same shared inheritance in eternity. If indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. Now, now here's, here's the point, right? We share in our adoption. This isn't just passive. Don't miss that. We get a share in, as in we get to participate in, as in we get benefits from our adoption. You heard me say, let me say it again. There are benefits that come from belonging. So here are the benefits, right? By virtue of being chosen by God through adoption, invited into the family of God as children of God, you receive all of the benefits. You get eternity. You get the promise of a heavenly home. Jesus said, I go to prepare a place for you. He's waiting for you. He has a home for you. You belong there. That means your your end is not death, but eternal life. That means this life is not your home. You are not home yet. There is a God, a heavenly father who is waiting for you, the benefit is that you and I get a share in the inheritance of eternity and relationship with God. That means there are more benefits. God's forgiveness that's constantly waiting for you. God's love that is abounding toward you. you, God's kindness, God's compassion, God's goodness, God's blessings, God's future for your life. Meaning God is writing out your future. He is plotting and planning your next steps so that you can walk in the goodness of God every day of your life. And God is at work in your life and through your life to give you a future and a blessing. If that doesn't sound like enough goodness, man, I don't know what else I could tell you now. Here is the thing. Um, jumping back to how I started by sharing about the Roman empire, do you know what changed things? Here's, here's what happened. Babies being abandoned, babies being drowned, babies being snatched up and put into human trafficking and prostitution. As, the, as Christianity began to rise in the Roman Empire, Christians felt compelled to rescue these children. So they would go out to the trash heaps regularly and begin to rescue the children, pick them up, bring them home, care for them. It, it it began what became in the Roman Empire as legal adoption, so when Paul uses this terminology right into the church in Rome, both the Jews and the Romans knew exactly what he was talking about because they both deeply saw the way this re, this happened in the Roman Empire. When you were legally adopted, there was no difference be, between biology and belonging meaning there no difference between being biologically brought into the family or adoptive brought into the family. You have the same rights. You have the same identity. You have the same name. You were given that heritage. You were given that, that sense of, I belong and I am in this family. That is my surname. I am I am just as much a part of the family as a child born into the family. And so the Apostle Paul is challenging them and saying, "You you belong like that. Now, here's what happened. As these Christians begin to adopt, it begins to spread across the known, across Christianity and the churches across the Roman Empire. The Christians were the ones that brought about the concept of adoption by rescuing children in the deepest crisis. Now listen to me. We can't miss this because I have been adopted by God. My whole perspective has changed. I belong in the family of God. I have been overwhelmed by the love of God and what fills bills. Because I have been adopted, I am am compelled to help others know that they belong. Because I have been loved by God, I lavish his love on others. Because I have been forgiven by God, I forgive others. Because I have been chosen by God, I want to make sure that others know they are chosen by God. This should change how you view every person. Maybe they're suffering with a detachment disorder and they need to simply know that they can be a child of God. Do you know that research studies have proven that attachment trumps trauma? Simply belonging helps overcome the greatest psychological brokenness that children experience. Meaning, regardless of what you're going through, the trauma you've experienced, regardless of the pain and the shame, the difficulty you're carrying, knowing you belong heals the greatest wounds. So God offers adoption, you belong. Then he invites us to put our faith into action, meaning, Our creeds direct our deeds. We begin to do based on what we believe. And if I believe that I am adopted, if I believe that God has chosen me, then I need to begin to share that. Look, let me be very clear with you. I don't want to beat around the bush here. Fathers... See yourself as a father to more than just your biological children. Begin to father others that need to know that they belong. Mothers, begin to love those that are not in your own family. Let's open up our homes. Look, the church in the Roman Empire transformed the empire by becoming a movement of adoption. And I am firmly planting myself on the position that the churches of 2018 need to be on the front lines of rescuing children and serving children and caring for children and fostering children and adopting children, so let me not miss the opportunity. Here are the greatest needs in our own communities. First, we need families that are willing to step up and say, I'll foster some children. Regardless of whether I can adopt them, I'm willing to care for children and provide a stable home. I- I'm gonna challenge you and encourage you, would you prayerfully consider how you can take that first step? Maybe that's you right now. Second, maybe, maybe that step is being willing to adopt. And then third, very specifically, one of the greatest needs in our communities is families that are willing to foster and even adopt teenage children. K- kids that are in the system that it, they're, they're almost, they've given up that they're ever gonna be adopted. And, and I'm, I'm praying, I've been praying over you, that God be gonna touch your hearts. And there's some of you, you're gonna be able to be in a place where you can, you'd be willing to care for and bring in a, a teenager. You'd be, gonna, you'd be willing to bring in and adopt a teenager. And then there's one more very specific issue that I would invite you as a church to respond to with me. Maybe you're hearing this and you're like, man, that is overwhelming. Patrick, I agree with you, that's awesome, but man, we are just not there. Um, then one more opportunity. Uh, another key need is you have foster families that they're given all they've got, but they get worn out and they need a little rest. And and when they get a rest, it's called respite. And uh, They run out of respite days very quickly, meaning the government will provide a certain number of paid respite days. And so I I offered, our church, I offered you, (laughs) I said, well, hey, why don't we recruit a whole bunch of families that would go through the training specifically for the purpose of providing free respite care? Literally one weekend a month where you would watch a foster child. Come on. All right, so I'm not expecting you to sign up right at this moment, just at the end of the service. All right, here, so here's what I do. Um, before, before, we, before I bring this in front of me, all I want you to do is this. If you're struggling with your own personal deep detachment disorders, you, you don't know where you belong or who you belong to. Your identity's all warped and messed up, then you need to know that you are a child of God. You've been chosen to belong. You've been chosen through adoption by God, and you can share in the benefits of that believing sharing the benefits of belonging. And so that's, that's where you're at. Then your decision is to say yes to Jesus, make a commitment to following Jesus and take that first step. Others of you, you've wrestled with deep insecurity and today for the very first time you're like, wow, I belong in the family of God. I'm a child of God. I'm not gonna walk around insecurity more. I'm gonna walk around boldly confident that God's love quotient isn't changing for me. And then finally, there are some of you, you need to pause and pray and simply say, God, how can I take that next step of not just sharing in my adoption, but sharing my adoption with others? I know you don't feel prepared. I know you don't feel ready. Look, none of us who have kids ever felt ready or like we ever were gonna get it right. We just dive in and we do it and we figure it out as we go. And I raise my kids so they'll probably need therapy. All right, so let's do this. I want you just to take a moment. I want you to pause and pray and say, God, by your spirit, What's that one commitment I can make today to respond to the fact that I belong because I've been chosen? Would you pray? Thank you for listening to audio from Lifehouse Church. We believe that through Christ, life change happens here. So we invite you to connect with us further by visiting lifehousechurch.org.